Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're Out to Lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you live in the big cities of Louisiana, like Baton Rouge or New Orleans, or even Lafayette or Shreveport, you might not realize just how rural much of Louisiana actually is and how important agriculture is to the state's economy, ranking as the fifth largest sector behind oil, natural gas, commercial fishing, and chemicals. Much of the research around agriculture and its sister discipline, horticulture, goes on right here in Baton Rouge, where we also have some micro-organic farms in the middle of the city. With me today to discuss this is Heather Kirk Ballard, an assistant professor and statewide extension specialist of consumer horticulture with the LSU Ag Center, which has stations in all 64 parishes around Louisiana and works directly with the agriculture and horticulture industries to bring the latest in cutting edge research from LSU out into the field. In addition to her research and extension program, Heather is the host of the Ag Center's Get It Growing program, which is a user-friendly guide to growing for the average person, and she's a member of the Louisiana Super Plants program. Her extensive research focuses on consumers' home gardening needs, the effects of plants on the environment, our health, the economy, and the community. But Heather isn't just a researcher. She actually spent several years working in the commercial sector, most recently at General Electric and Echolab, monitoring and maintaining water quality. And before that, she was a high school teacher. Yeah. So Heather, that is wonderful. I love people who have done it all. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. Joining me and Heather at the table is Allison Gidros of Fullness Organic Farm, a small organic farm right here in Baton Rouge off Nicholson Drive near Gardier. Allison is a Baton Rouge native who fell in love with growing food while in college at LSU. She worked in community gardens, took an organic gardening horticulture course, and started a business putting in custom organic raised beds. After graduating, Allison and her husband Grant did a year of service through AmeriCorps with the Slow Food Baton Rouge movement and continued work with community gardens. Then they installed school gardens and hosted local food events. In 2015, they started Fullness Farms with the goal of growing the best food possible for their friends and family. Allison has since gone on to complete her master's degree in horticulture. Allison, congratulations on that and thanks for being here on Out to Lunch. Thanks so much for having me. And it's me. so nice that y'all know each other too. So oh, this yeah, is it was much, a much surprise. fun. Yes. And Heather, I'm, I'm, I got to be a really big fan of the whole extension program, you know, about a decade ago when I was briefly food editor at The Advocate and just realizing what you all bring to the state. And so many people in the city don't realize that. Right. So, I mean, what does it really mean, the the Agricultural Extension Service, and and, and what is the mission of the Ag Center? Well, you know, our mission is research, teaching, and extension. So we want to do the science-based research Uh, so that we can help the farmers and we can bring the information to the community. As the consumer horticulturist, that's my job, to educate the consumers about horticulture. And honestly, when you think about it, horticulture is the agriculture of everyday persons, right? 
So if you're a vegetable gardener at home, if you have your own fruit trees, if you have indoor house plants, if you have a garden, you're participating in agriculture in the form of horticulture. So it's great. And and I think right now in this post-COVID or still COVID era, more people than ever seem to be growing at home, right? You 19 are. 19 <laughs> million gardeners. A gardening survey was done and 19 million gardeners were gained just in the United States during COVID. First-time gardeners, um, 10% of the people that participated in the survey said that they were first-time gardeners. Wow. And many of them were growing vegetables. That is fantastic. And speaking of growing vegetables, Allison, that's what you and your husband Grant are doing at Fullness Organic Farm. And it's right here in the middle of the city. That's right. And so what do you all grow and and what sort of, um, how large is it? Uh, What is your output your yield yes so we're a a small farm like you were saying we started on half an acre and now we're at an acre and a half that we could grow on but we're very high intensity high rotation crops and we're really known for growing spring mix baby greens microgreens but we grow over 250 varieties throughout the year so whatever season it is that's what we're growing and we've grown 52 weeks of the year the past several years fantastic and and then you sell your your crops, your produce at the farmers market. That's right. We're at the at the Saturday farmers market every Saturday, mm-hmm. and then we also have something called it's called the CSA, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture, and it's basically like a farm share. So people join the farm share program, and then they get a weekly bag of whatever's fresh on the farm, and we send out recipes and uh, little updates from the farm and. We do a 10-week season, and it's been really popular. And we really love it. We really love getting to know our customers. The customers enjoy it, too. So, Heather, this sounds like the kind of thing that, say, in your job and your role, we would love to see more of. Is is that right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Do y'all, do you work, for instance, with something like Fullness Organic Farm, or are you more focused on, you know, say my husband who grows kakutsa squash? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm mostly the home gardeners. Um, There are a couple of other professors uh, on campus that work with vegetable growers. Um, Kiki Fontenot, or Mm -hmm. Dr. Catherine Fontenot, is our vegetable specialist for the for the state, so yeah. she works with most farmers. Um, the DA, Hiller Moore, is actually an avid gardener, and she just did some stuff with him recently. But that's more of her, her thing. And, and then Dr. Carl Matzenbacher is also the- And he was slow food guy, right? Yeah, so um, I work mostly with those home gardeners that are trying to grow vegetables. Yeah, okay. Now, um, Allison, how, how much, I guess, like market demand is there for what you all grow? When, are you able to make a, you're obviously able to make a living at it, but. Yeah, there's more demand than we're able to supply. Really? Yes. And uh, we, you know, we, we say all the time, the world needs more farmers. And so a farm our size uh, is, we kind of think of to service about 200 families. And so there are probably 200 families just right around our farm. Really? And so, um, yeah, I think um, people grow in their own food, but then other other small scale producers or producers in general is what we what we need and and you say the world needs more farmers and yet it's increasingly difficult at you know commercial scale to be a farmer right so i mean you have the giant giant ones that supply i guess most of the produce and then i guess maybe little bitty guys like y'all and not as much in between is that 
Yeah, and I think I think it's a growing trend though for um, for these like small uh, market gardeners is what they're kind of termed now. And there's a lot more information and resources out there now than there were when we were just getting going. But um, even even more farmers, a lot like us, we're first generation farmers, both college educated, um, but just see. I mean, I think we're all kind of connected to agriculture, even if it wasn't, I didn't grow up having a garden, but, you know, our grandparents, and we all have that, that history, and it's incredibly gratifying uh, to grow anything, and so it's, it's a really rewarding uh, field to be in. Heather, tell me about some of the some of the programs, you know, more specifically at the Ag Center that you're involved in, the Get It Growing and, and your and your you know podcast and how you reach people. Right. So the Get It Growing program was started by Dan Gill, my predecessor um, from New Orleans. He came to Baton Rouge, um, and we have videos every week that go out to all of the news stations across the state. Um, whatever's pertinent. You know, as the consumer horticulturist, it could be turf grass. You know, people get really upset when they have sod webworms in their turf and they have to fix it, right? Oh, I've so, got so many questions. All yes, that, right? exactly. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, whatever's going on, whatever's big at that time, you know, when we were talking about these farms, one of those things that's going to be um, big from it is now and it will be in the future are the issues with climate change. So all of the rain that we've had, we've had, we had our annual rainfall by July. So in the first half of the year, we got the annual amount of rainfall that we typically do. And Allison and I were talking about that when we we walked in together, was, you know, just some of those challenges with the rain and farming, um, gardening. Uh, Additionally, you know, those hard freezes, COVID gardening has really um, wiped out a lot of these garden centers. People are buying them. And then with all of the weather that we've had, you know, in Texas, um, in Florida, in North Alabama, North Arkansas, we uh, had a lot of hard freezes. So we we lost a lot of plants and people are going out to look for them. So there may be a decade long shortage of plants is what people are beginning to predict um, just because of the demand of plants. Um, and, and it's so insane when you mention climate change. I mean, my I've got some azaleas that are actually blooming, and this is November. Uh huh. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be, um, unless it's a repeat bloomer, right? Maybe so. But typically, if if it's not one that had in the past, right. yeah, these weather events do influence it, um, for sure. What does that do? Has that impacted y'all, Allison, at, at, at your farm? Yeah, Heather and I were talking about all the rain. Um, so we had the big rain pre and post Ida that really um, knocked back our fall production, and so it definitely it definitely affected us. We um, and in some ways it shows us where we can improve, and uh, you know putting up. Uh, called hoop houses but it's basically a greenhouse but uh, a protected structure will really give us more resiliency and um, we we plant every week we harvest every week so we plant every week so you know we're always putting new things in the ground so eventually is that because it that's out. good for the soil? I didn't mean to interrupt you. It is you, good but for is the soil. Is that so- why you do it that um, way? Or what? W- the, why we do it is because we're harvesting every week. And so it's called succession planting. But instead of, um, like we have a neighbor that's a soybean farmer. And with that kind of farming, you'll plant one big crop and then you'll harvest one time too. And um, there was actually one year that I saw him. He had grown a great crop. 
Um, and when it's a got time for harvest, it just kept raining and raining and raining, and his whole crop molded. And so he had to disc it all in. And, um, you know, it really it hit home with me. It was like, we, it just will never happen that we will not have a harvest a whole year. Because even when we have had freezes, we then go back and plant the next day, and then you've got microgreens in three weeks, baby greens a week after that, and then honestly, people don't even realize you were gone. And they and so they bloom that fast. The, or the germination time, or whatever you would with call these, it, it's just with three these weeks. Baby greens and microgreens. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So farmers are going to have to adapt to the challenges. They just are going to have to. You can't fight mother nature right Right. and having this type of planting these succession plantings are going to make more things available rather than that monoculture that monocrop that it it was devastating all this weather all the hurricanes that we've had back to back I think it was Laura and Delta the year before I mean it's it really is devastating agriculture um the timber industry sure was hit pretty hard um it it just affects everyone and so we're gonna have to adapt uh, to these challenges do we see people, you know, really eating what they're growing at home more and more? Oh, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, that was interesting. With uh, COVID, we had a lot of restaurants pre-COVID. But then post-COVID, you know, our sales were the same for the year because you had all of these people that were cooking and eating at home. And, um yeah, I mean, and, and I think people are also very interested in how do I stay as healthy as possible. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Heather Kirk Ballard of the LSU Ag Center and Allison Guidros of Fullness Organic Farm. Allison, do y'all sell any of your produce in markets besides the, the Breda Farmer's Market or or do you still have any restaurant business, or is it all just a small client? We, we are all we sell all direct to consumers. What it's is, is how it, we call it, and um, and we haven't started again with the restaurants. But um, in a way, it's really neat to have that direct consumer market, and um, and as a farmer, you're getting a hundred percent of the sales versus if you go down the supply chain where each each part of the chain takes some. So it's part of how making a small intensive farm work work well for us is to sell directly to the consumer. Mm-hmm. And we really love developing the relationships as well. That's great. And you just sparked the thought in my mind, um, trucking shortages and yes. fuel charges right now are so high. So that's gonna be another thing that farmers will face in the future. There are a lot of challenges that they have to, um, you know, to figure out ways to get around. It is, it's a scary time. I had, uh, there's, there's uh, one farmer that I follow and look up to, and one of the things that he has said is that there needs to be um, less mass production and more production by the masses. Oh, I like that. So, like, our current system of agriculture is not how it's been throughout time and throughout the world. You know, we're in, it, it feels like, oh, we're going to, you know, weird times, and it is different, but it's not as, it's not weird. It's going back to the, the way it, it, it should was, be, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, thinking about, like, a farm servicing 200 families, like, that is how communities were built around, like, having a farm that would service the, the community. And so, and there, you know, I can see a lot of great things that can happen from that, too. And so um, we, we, we hope to, like, help be a part of, you know, the change and, like, we're passionate about training other farmers and teaching individuals how to grow. And um, yeah. 
Are the 200 families that you all service, is it the same 200 or that's just the number of how much you could? I mean, are they people in the Gardier area that really need access to fresh, healthy food? Or is You know, it I would say that 200 is, that's just the number. But, you know, customers kind of come and go. But we have some very, very, very loyal customers that have been with us from the beginning. And, you know, we've seen each other's kids be born and grow up and have uh, people that say, you know, your carrots were the first thing I fed my kid. And, um, you know, so things like that are just incredibly gratifying. And we're both from here. So a lot of times these are like our, our friends, you know, or people we played sports with or went to school with or, or whatever. And so we're extremely motivated to make sure that they're, you know, we're giving them the best that we've got. Heather, what, what do you tell people when they come to you and say, I want to start a garden, but I don't know where to start? Well, I hear this all the time. I have a black thumb. Nobody <laughs> has a black thumb. And if you aren't trying, you're, then that's the only thing you're not doing right. You should try. Um, there are plenty of plants out there that are so easy to start. When we're talking about vegetables, I think of greens, and now's the time of year where you plant greens. Those things are so, you know, they are so easy. Anybody could grow them. In fact, um, one of the reasons why I like growing greens is that the squirrels don't like them. You know, I've planted cabbage and cauliflower and all those things, broccoli. My squirrels are getting into the garden and eating them up, but they leave the greens alone. They leave the romaine lettuce, and those are all so nutritional and um, easy to grow. It, it doesn't take a lot. You can start them from seed, um, just starting with a good soil and raised beds. It's very simple. So are raised beds really, I mean, because I grew up in New Orleans, we have that rich, dark mud that's so great. And then you come to Baton Rouge, you dig down a little bit, you got clay. Yes. We have clay here. Mm -hmm. How do you grow in clay? It is difficult. It does present challenges. You can amend the soil with different things. Compost is great. Some kind of organic matter really helps. And that's another thing that you can do, just saving your kitchen scraps and keeping those leaves instead of bagging them and blowing them away. You can utilize things and it's free, right? And that whole thing of reduce, reuse, recycle, we can all do that at home. So, um, and it it makes our gardens um, more fruitful. Uh, So my suggestion is just to get out there and do it and use the extension service. As part of the survey, I did a survey of gardeners in Louisiana. I asked them where they got their information from during this time when we couldn't meet, we weren't having field days, what have you. It's the extension service. They're going to the LSU Ag Center and utilizing those resources that we're putting out there. And y'all will do things like soil samples? Yes, soil samples. We have the plant diagnostic lab. So if you're having issues, that's one of the things with the soil right now. There are a lot of plant pathogens that are soil borne and that cause people a lot of challenges. So raising your beds can help you get around that. So there are ways that we can help people be more successful. Do you all at all monetize these services or is part of the mission as a land-grant college to do it for free? So it is monetized only to cover the costs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. They're not making a profit off of it. In fact, I'd venture to say we probably lose money, especially in the soils labs. But uh, it is a service. It, you're essentially paying for the reagents and the time of the people. So, um, but it is important. You have to know your soil health and you got to understand what's going on with your plants. Allison, speaking of plants, how, how big do you want your farm to grow? I mean, I, I, it, it seems like the natural evolution or trajectory of a business is to get it up to a certain size, but part of your deal is that you're a small farm yeah. and that's how you, so where's that sweet spot, I guess? 
You know, honestly, the amount of land that we have in production is, is pretty close to what we want to be. We really like this small, intensive production, and it is counter to um, a lot of, you know, I call them mantras that are said, you know, you got you to gotta get big or get out with agriculture. But, um, but we're also um, wanting, we kind of add on services like, um, you know, tours. I also help people put in gardens. Um, work as a garden coach for a few neighborhoods and things like that. So nice. education and outreach and that kind of thing is also something that we, uh, we really, really love to do. Do you all lease the land that you farm or do you actually own it? We do not own it. It's, um, it's actually land that's owned by Mike Wampold that also owns um, the preserve at Harveston. Mm-hmm. And so we've worked and he gave us you know, he's known for giving people a shot, you know, and he gave us a chance there in 2015 and um, pretty forward thinking um, for especially Baton Rouge, but to think of a farm as being an amenity to a neighborhood. So you're pretty so much connected to harvest now. We're, we're separated by land, by the soybean field, but um, all that will be developed by Harveston. And, um, and so, um, you know, he thought about early on that having having a farm would be a good amenity for the neighborhood in lieu of let's say golf courses you know (laughs) neighborhoods would like to have farmers markets walking trails restaurants things like that so uh, we've been working with them for um, over five years they have a community garden area with 60 box beds that the homeowners can rent out and then we go once a month as a garden coach and just like Heather does, but, you know, walk people through through the farm year and we'll bring plants and seeds. And it was very interesting uh, after COVID seeing the real explosion and in interest there. And uh, people just enjoy even being in the space of a garden, even if they're not actually planting. They yeah. just enjoy, you know, I'll see people all the time walk through and just see what's growing. And, and you'll see, you hear stories over and over of like, oh, my grandmother grew sweet peas. The smell reminds me of my childhood or whatever. What are the best things to grow here? Heather, what do you advise people? Well, we fail have... Fail-safe. We <laughs> fail-safe. Okay, let's see. Natives are definitely fail-safe um, because they're adapted to our area. And it's okay to have ornamental plants, of course. All those highly cultivated things like roses. I think a combination of several things it makes you a more successful gardener and spending more time in your garden um, and being aware of what's going on because sometimes things just get out of control before you even notice. Mm-hmm. You you don't step outside and look in your garden for a couple of weeks in the summertime and it's full of weeds and it's got insects all over it. And so the best gardener is always one that spends time out in that garden. Um, the Garden Media Group puts out a report every year called Garden Trends and they called the year uh, 2020 the Great Reset for COVID because people, gardening is good for your well-being. It is. It's good for communities. It's it's good for our environment. There's so many things that benefit. I mean, there's I don't think there's anything bad about gardening. <laughs> Some of our practices perhaps, but um, you know, you can be successful with just about anything. So, so what are y'all working on? Um, I mean, what's what's on your calendar? Uh, what's on your you know what's on your plate for for the near future? Oh my goodness, everybody's going back to conferences. I just got back from International Plant Propagator Society, the American um, Society for Horticultural Sciences just met. So we're all, it's its great to get back in person and hear about what's going on. And there's a lot of post-COVID research going on. Um, LSU just uh, set up a community garden for the students 
Um, Where is it located? It's located at the Hill Farm, the teaching facility at LSU, uh, near the student rec. And so um, student funds funded that and and students can come and use these raised bed gardens and grow their own things while they're on campus as residents there um that's some exciting stuff that we're doing so some more community gardening things going on and and what about it at the farm allison so we're um this this time of year is our main growing season it's our favorite time to grow and like heather was saying it's a great time to start a garden if you're if you're wanting to grow um, and we're in our fourth week of our farm share program, so we have have that going on. And then um, there's always always new projects happening. So and, and you said you all are primarily microgreens, but you brought honey. So do you also have a, a hive or a beekeeper at the farm? Right. So we have partnered with a third generation beekeeper. Um, his name is Josh Janway, and. We have a, a large uh, barn on the property that we've fixed up to be able to use. So he uses part of the barn as kind of his central hub, and he has several bee yards that he goes off of. So that's just been a, one, a, a great partnership, and we love doing that kind of um, partnership to you know, add to what we're doing. And, um, but, yeah, the, the honey is, comes from our farm, and uh, it's, it's the best I've ever had. I can, I can brag on it because oh, wow. I didn't do anything to, 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 to produce awesome. it. Well, Heather Kirk Ballard and Allison Guidros, thank you all so much for what you are bringing to the community with your knowledge of agriculture and horticulture and helping make Baton Rouge a healthier and more beautiful place. Thank you. Appreciate it. We will look forward to keeping up with your progress. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Heather Kirk Ballard of the LSU Ag Center and Allison Guidros of Fullness Organic Farm. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Eric Otts, and you can find more of Eric's photos on Instagram at at acro, that's A-C-R-E-A-U-X. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 